0: Welcome to Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. In this show, we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and I am your host, Ramakrishna. Let's begin the show. Today's our guest is Juan Vargas from GenWealth Capital Group. Welcome Juan. Hey, Rama, it's a pleasure to be here on your show. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for being on the show. A little bit about Juan. Juan is the founder of GenWealth Capital Group. Through his company, he oversees the operations of over 700 units and is an equity partner in over 1,500 units. Juan has been actively engaged in all aspects of real estate, sales, investment, management, financing, and construction for more than 10 years. With that, Juan, would you like to add anything to your background?
1: No, that's... That's pretty much it. You know, I've been involved in the business for a little bit, you know, got started with single family and, uh you know, currently focusing on commercial real estate, uh, you know, specifically value add uh, multifamily deals. But, you know, we're looking to, you know, also add new development here in the near future as well.
0: Sure. So how did you get started into real estate and multifamily?
1: Sure. So I got started in, so, you know, I was working a W2 job, right? Uh, I was with BMW and during that time, as many people can relate, you know, you're working at a 2 job, you know, it gets pretty, pretty tiresome. Um, You feel like th- there's no end to it. And so I was looking for ways to to create passive income and uh, what kept popping up for me was uh, was real estate right but I got started in a single family side through rentals and and yeah you know I just yeah, I was through education and ultimately through action
0: great so any challenges you faced during early stages of your journey? And how did you overcome them?
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, you know, at least for me, there are some challenges, you know, getting started. And so after I was doing single family, right, first of all is the educational side. It's, uh, you know, you have to get over that hump a little bit. Uh, Once you get over that, you take action. And that was uh, through single family, as I mentioned. But, you know, I wanted to um, expand, right? And that was through multifamily, right? Uh, My first property was a 32 unit. And, you know, that was a deal that, uh, you know, myself and a partner, we we took it down together. And and there were some challenges in that, you know, so uh, one of the challenges that we faced was the lack of experience, right? And because of the lack of experience, we also had a lack of financing options, you know? So, you know, we would go to a lot of lenders and, you know, we had, I think it was about 11 lenders that t- turned us down until the 12th one uh, was the one that gave us the opportunity. So there definitely are some challenges, even, you know, on the deal acquisition side at the very beginning, you know, with brokers not taking you seriously. And so how do we overcome that? You know, it was on the lender side, it was just not say, you know, not taking no for an answer, right? And so, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I, I went to go visit some of these lenders Person to person, face to face, and you know they, they pretty much let me know. It, but I kept going, kept going, and so I think the way we overcame it was through you know persistence, persistence, pretty much, right? Um, on the other side, of the the lack of experience and knowledge, um, you know I think you know that's through partners right so I brought in on a partner that it was a general partner I mean a general contractor rather and so he had a lot of the experience on the the rehab and the construction side and and I was able to manage and so we were able to form a good partnership there and and um, make sure that deal that deal was a pretty successful one you know
0: awesome so persistence is the key here.
1: it it really is pretty much everything that you
0: do persistency and determination
1: is is always key
0: right so in your bio like you have experience in passive investment side so how did you find this passive investment
1: Yeah, so that was through networking, right? And and so whenever we first acquired that first deal, right, there was a 32 unit. I don't really know too much about the syndication or, or the, the passive investment side. You know, I thought that, you know, you just buy it and and uh, and manage it. And that was you that did all the work, right? And obviously, you know, there was some some larger deals that, that were bigger corporations, you know, and, you know, it's all education, right? But, um, you know, I started to hear on podcasts, you know, such as, you know, yours that, you know, the syndication model, right? Um, And then I started hearing about educational groups mentoring groups, those type of things. And so I started going to conferences. You know, some of these were on the educational side and some of these were just networking. And then you just started to meet people, right? And people, you know, would have deals, build a good relationship with them. And then, you know, we started investing, right? So the reason why I, I wanted to invest was a couple of reasons, right? One, you know, th- there's good opportunity and it. There's good returns. Um, and I don't have to spend any time on it, right? And and the other was that I was also getting the the behind the scenes type of education, right? On how these guys were, were doing, you know, taking action... And and also making some of these decisions right so that also helped me uh to be able to learn whenever I was doing mine, right? You know, some of the reports that they were doing and communication and, you know, those type of things, right? So there was a couple of different reasons, um, you know, you're able to make money while you're learning, right? So that was my pretty much, um, and then tax advantages too, you know, so those were my reasons.
0: Awesome. So what are all the factors you would consider before investing in any deal?
1: Yes. So first of all, and you will hear this, you know, pretty much across the board. I think most people you will ask will, will say pretty much the same thing. I think uh, for me, at least I would say that the sponsors, the guys that are running the deal, those guys guys are the ones that you have to understand who they are, understand their experience understand the track record um you know their performance um you know try to give referrals as well like from some of their previous investors those type of things right so i will look for some good sponsors right and and preferably sponsors that are doing this full-time right and not to say that you can't do this on, on a part-time basis because i have a lot of colleagues and, and friends that do this on a part-time basis but you know for me you know if i'm you know going to invest with somebody you know that's my hard-earned money right uh, so i i want that sponsor to to uh to you know give it a you know full attention as well right so that's another thing i look for and then uh, Apart from that, I look for the the market, right? If if it's a market, or one of the primary markets that, that we invest in, uh, that we mostly invest in, then you take it from that to, to the deal. If it's a secondary, tertiary market, then it's likely a deal that I'm not going to be too interested in. You know, so I would say that the market. Make sure it's it's a strong market that has some growth, I and mean, by growth, I mean job growth, you know, population growth. You know, it's a business-friendly environment. It's a it's a landlord-friendly environment. And then you look at the deal, right? The the t- the quality asset, the demographics, the the median income, um, all those different things. You know, play a big role, right? Uh, the management company what type of experience does a management company have are they a b type of b class type of management company or do they manage primarily c class right because that that matters a lot if you have a, a A-class management company that, that manages nothing but A-class deals and you're you're buying a, or investing into a C-class, that's not going to be your right property manager, right? So I think all that has to do a lot with, with it and, and as well as the debt. So there's a lot of different pieces to it uh, that we look for, you know, whenever we're, before we invest in a deal.
0: Cool. You covered all the points. Great. So once you decide to invest in any particular deal, from your side, what kind of due diligence you would perform?
1: Yeah. So one of the first things is obviously the, the management team, um, the sponsorship team. You know, I want to see, if I'm investing in a deal, whether it's my own deal or, or somebody else's, um, I, I want to see the underwriting, right? That's critical, right? Yeah. And so you look at the underwriting, you know, you ask them for the, the spreadsheet and all the details that they can provide, right? Yeah. And, you know, they don't always provide it, but at least, you know, get a PDF, right? They don't have to give you a spreadsheet, but give you, a, or an Excel is what I mean. They, they can give you a PDF, but like at least I thought you are able to look over it, try to look at the expenses, you know, make sure that they're reasonable, look at the taxes especially here in texas where i'm at you know taxes are, are pretty aggressive you know look at the insurance insurance costs are going going way up make sure that those are reasonable you know we're in a covid uh environment right now covid 19 situation and so you know we want to see year one you know how aggressive or, or how conservative are you in year one if you are in year one you have a two or three percent rent growth and a total income growth you know five six seven percent you know it could be realistic not saying that it won't but you know it's always better to be more conservative especially in this environment and, and maybe keep it flat you know or maybe have a just a little. A bit of an uptick you know maybe one one to two percent something like that right so those, those are things that we look for and just to just to make sure that you know they that that team that sponsorship team is, is being conservative from years two through five or six or however the business plan is you know make sure that those are also conservative i, I want to see a sensitivity analysis right you know what's your break even break even point you know and that's one thing that, that many people don't look for but you know what's the point of economic occupancy or economic vacancy either way you look at it that the property can still you know pay for the debt service right and so that's very very important that look at that and that you understand those those type of things. You know, does the business plan match the debt service, right? If you have a, a five-year term, you want to keep this deal for five years, six years, and then you know that's obviously not going to work, right? Um, you got to make sure that the, the prepayment penalty on the end is is also something that matches with the business plan, right? So there's a lot of variables that we look for to make sure that the, the deal is um, is going to be one that we're going to be comfortable with, you know?
0: So how do you track your passive investment progress performances?
1: Oh, yes. And so I have a spreadsheet that shows every single passive deal and it's by year, right? Yeah. And so, it, so I have a year by year and then I'm able to track... You depending on, on what the distributions were, it gives me a re, a percentage return for that year. And then it gives me an, an overall return for the deal, right? So if I'm, I'm in the deal for two or three years, I want to see the overall return to that point. Um. So yeah, I have a spreadsheet that, that I track and I, I update all the time.
0: Great. So what do you do as a past investor if deal does not go well?
1: If the deal does not go well, then you ask questions, right? Yes. So, you know, for me, it's like, why is it not going well? What's going on? What can we do to, to improve it, right? Even as past investors, we can give our opinion, you know, even though we're, we're not the ones that are directly managing it, you know, we can give our opinion on on what we think, um, you know, could help. And, and, I, and I say that from, from an active investor, right? Because that's what we focus on nowadays. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, talk it over, um, you know, find try to find solutions as to why it's not working, you know, and definitely you want communication, right? Um, either I'm an active investor, I'm a passive investor. If I'm an active investor, on my deals, we provide, uh, you know, reports, you know, on a frequent basis to our investors, right? And, and during the COVID-19 situation, you know, we've been providing every couple of weeks, right? If I'm a passive investor, I want to see those reports, right? If I don't hear from you, in a, in a while then there's something going on right um usually it's because something good is um, something bad is happening, maybe right something things are not going as well but we want to hear about it we want to know why right that's that's your money our money on the line they want to hear about and we, we need to know what's going on so communication is key in, in every single situation and yeah like i said you know we have to discuss you know why the deal is not going as projected and, and things happen right every single time that we look at a deal at the very beginning e- even for our active deals there's one thing for certain is that the the projections are not going to be on so we can say you know we're gonna 1.9x our, our your equity. The chances are that we're not gonna get it the, right there 1.9x. We might get 1.8, 1.7, or we might get two over two percent or over two times, right? Rather, so um, there's a lot of things that, that that happen, and we have to be aware of that um, because these are is a performance. These are projections, but you know communication is key whenever you're discussing and, and when you're trying to figure out what's going on with the deals.
0: Right. Would you like to share about your best passive investment experience?
1: My best passive investment experience is a deal that we were. Able to refi, so it was bridge loan. Yeah, there's there's people, there's investors, whether active or passive, that that are kind of against bridge loans because they bring a little bit more risk to the deal. They do right. You, there's a lot of capex that are that's involved, or it could be lower occupancy, and so there, there's risk at the very beginning. Then there's also usually more upside on those deals, right, or it can be more upside, right. This is a particular deal. This is actually my very first passive investment, and so I looked at it. You know, I saw the team, I studied them, I knew most of the guys on the team. Um, so I took action on that deal. It was. A Bridge loan. It was an up and coming submarket in in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. And so this deal, after I want to say how many months was it 15 or 16 months we were able to, to refine and you know get about 85 percent of our equity back you know and so from that point on you know we had 15 percent of equity in the deal and you know and from that and after that it was going to be infinity return right um as of today you know we are over 100 percent on that deal you know so we've, we've been able to get our, our equity back and the deal is, is still going strong and they're actually in talks to do a supplemental loan right which is going to further improve our returns so that's that's been
0: a homeroom of a deal you know for me I would say awesome so would you like to tell you any of your worst passive investment experience
1: yeah so the worst passive investment experience you know I have a couple actually that, that are you know pretty you know I would say on that, on that kind of the same level but you know I, I definitely don't want to call anybody out or, or any names but it's a deal that so one of them it, it was in a tertiary market so it's you know, a little bit tougher market and so you know that deal hasn't performed as projected right not even close and then there's another deal that's in a primary market, but it's a a little bit a rougher submarket of that primary market, and and I think uh, a lot of the the reason for that one is is because of the, the demographics. So it's, it's very important that you understand that, right? Understand the, the demographics, understand the business plan, and and um, you know also understand the unit mix, right? Because uh, that's very important uh, now. Looking back, right? Um, so there's some some markets in, in the nation that work well with, with say studios and one bedrooms, right? So we have a deal like that in Phoenix that that we're you know it's where the GPS on, um, and and it's doing it's doing well, right? Because that's a different type of market, right? If you have studios and one bedrooms like in San Francisco or New York, it's going to work well, right? But you know in in Texas, for the most part, not seeing you know, all the way across. But for the most part, you know, we we do better with, you know, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, you know, maybe three bedrooms, right? And so what it does is it attracts, you know, singles, you know, usually to the property. And, you know, that could be good and bad, right? If you're attracting singles that are high quality professionals, that's one thing, right? You know, maybe you're midtown and it's close to a lot of jobs, you know, higher in white collar jobs, that's great. But if you're like in the suburbs, and it's, you know, studios and one bedrooms, you know, primarily, then, you know, you tend to attract, you know, a little bit rougher demographics um so you know all that to say is that you know those deals are, are coming around definitely has have improved drastically but um but yeah those are things uh, looking back you know you have to really pay attention to you know what, what kind of market you're in what kind of sub you're in what was the demographics you know those type of things and, and if you're in a, in a tertiary market secondary market that's you know one uh, one trick pony what i mean by that is you know there's only one main driver for jobs in the economy then maybe that's not the right place for you to be in right so that's, those are things that I've learned, but I still am confident that those deals are, are going to be uh, good investments in the long haul either way.
0: you know. Awesome. Thanks for sharing why they are not performing well and the reasons. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah. Let's switch towards active investment side. So what markets you are focusing and what is the reason?
1: Yeah, so I'm in Texas. I'm in Houston specifically. So naturally for me, I'm going to be looking in Houston. And, you know, we have a, a deal here in Houston. We've been looking at, at several, you know, made several offers here lately. Um, we like the Houston market. And the reasons for that is because it's, it's a it's a major market. It's the fourth largest city in the nation. You know, many people think it's, it's primarily oil and gas. It, yeah, even though it's, it's, a, it's a portion of the economy, it's not the economy. There is di- much more diverse than people think. We have the largest medical center here in, in the world and by far you know there's there's a ton ton of different uh diversity and jobs so we like houston it's it's a melting pot it's the most diverse uh city in in the nation when it comes to ethnicity and and backgrounds and you know it's it's continuing to grow so we're continuing to have population growth and job growth those type of things and so many people tend to forget about houston right They, they think about the the oil and gas they think about flooding um and and so they get turned off by you know automatically for whatever reason and so but that's an opportunity for for guys like myself because I, I know the market i know the submarkets, and and um and i were able to take advantage of that right so we're actually looking at newer newer type deals uh, newer construction deals you know you know as i, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast um we've been looking to possibly get into development right so we're looking at different land sites and and uh, tracks of land and so that's houston dallas is another market that we're, that we're in on the active side and um you know there's obvious reasons for dallas i mean it's it's one of the most diverse and, and job growth and there's a lot of of five hundred companies moving there from the the West Coast, and you know that's it's another strong, major business-friendly environment there. Uh, so we really like Dallas. Uh, lending environments is very friendly there. It, it, they consider that one uh, one of the premier markets uh, for lending, and so we we like Dallas for that reason. The same thing with Phoenix. Phoenix has very uh, similar aspects to it as it does to to Dallas. You know, you have job growth, you have population growth, is dynamic, it's uh, is growing. Um, you know, rent growth has has been up there. It's, it's led the nation for the, or or been at least top two the last couple of years for rent growth and you know, there's a lack of affordability in, in housing and there's a lot of new construction going on there so there's a lot of people moving from the west coast to Phoenix there's a lot of people moving from from the north uh, to get to a warmer climate and so we we have a deal there in Phoenix as well and and uh, and you know it's the deal that we have is one that we mentioned earlier I kind of mentioned it has studios and one bedrooms but you know, we're, we're, we're doing really well with, uh, with our rents our rent growth you know killing the performa we're crushing it so you know, yeah th- those are three markets that we're in right now Another market that I like it very much is Atlanta, although it's, um, you know, haven't been able to break into that market. You know, we haven't looked to, we, have, we haven't spent too much time offering on deals in that market, but, you know, we definitely want to increase that a little bit to uh, to see if we can land a deal in Atlanta. But yeah, th- those are the markets that, that we like. Um, also, in addition to that, because I'm in Texas, because I'm close, you know, like San Antonio and Austin, although, you know, San Antonio has been a little bit uh, tougher because it's more of a flat market. In Austin, it's been a, a crazy, crazy market. So it's, it's very hard to um, to win deals there. I've made several offers there in that market, but it's, it's really hard to to get awarded a deal in that market unless you're already in it, you know? So yeah, those are the markets uh, for us and and um, we'll continue to be in those markets. Great. So how do you raise
0: capital for your deals?
1: Yeah. So that's through a uh, networking. Um, that's primarily through networking, getting out there, uh, building relationships, you know, and I also have a meetup, um, you know, where, you know, I, I host it on a monthly basis and, you know, just, just trying to get, get it to there. A lot of it has been referrals. You know, we've been fortunate to have, you know, quite a bit of referrals and another way has been through overseas capital. Um, actually from, um, from China and, and Japan, you know, we've, we've been fortunate, uh, myself and, and a business partner have been fortunate to have um, some, some good loyalty uh, from, from investors from, from over there. And another way that we're, we're trying to push a little bit is, is more of the Latin America, Latin American capital. And so, you know, I'm fluent in Spanish. And so I, I'm able to, um, to build some strong relationships that way. But yeah, that, that's pretty much has been our form of equity. We've been talking to a couple of family offices and more of the institutional capital as well. That could be a, a way that we, that we also explore and, and that we go to in, towards the future. In the future. Right.
0: So total, how many active apartment investments you have right now?
1: Right now we have three active deals that we oversee and um, we we manage as asset managers. And then, you know, I'm also a, a general partner in, in three other deals and then some passive deals as well.
0: So would you like to share any best active investment experience?
1: Yeah. So we can mention, well, all three have been pretty good. I can go back to the, the Phoenix deal. That Phoenix deal was a deal that we had rougher demographics in it. And so going in, we knew that we had you know we had to rub our sleeves uh pretty much and and uh, go to work and so that deal was high nineties when we when we acquired it and then we went through the rent the rent roll and pretty much have turned over, you know, close to eighty percent now at this point of the residents. And you know, we got at one point we went all the way down to like you know eighty percent occupancy, right? So it's a scary it's a scary thing that while you're going through that process, but you have to keep your, your eye and your mind on the business plan, right? That's part of the the plan, that's part of the, what you projected to happen. And so you have to go through it, but you know, when you're going through it, it's kind of scary. But but now we have, you know, much better quality tenants. And so so we still have to go through the, the rent roll maybe one more time to get to, to that next level, right? Because you have to go kind of in stages. You can't go from a, from a class C tenant to a class A in, in one shot, right? It has to be a, a class C and then a C plus and then maybe a B minus and like that, right? So you have to go through it a couple of times and and that's what we're doing. But it's, it's a deal that that has been performed very well on on the Performa, you know, over Performa. And so, you know, we're getting $100, $150 over Performa. And our performer was was 100 bucks, right? So you know, from classics uh, we're getting is you know 200 plus, you know. And so it's it's a strong dynamic market, as I mentioned. And and um, you know, we're we're fortunate to have acquired that deal. And the other thing I like about it is is the cost basis that we're in in it for is very low. You can't even come close to those those type of numbers um in this in that market and in today's environment. And so we feel confident that you know when we go to either sell or, or, you know, maybe have a, maybe do a supplemental loan uh, that we'll be able to um, to do pretty well for our investors. So yeah, we're, we're very happy with that deal. Awesome. So what is the
0: best advice you have received?
1: The best advice uh, for, for passive investors, uh, what I can say is for, for, for any investor. Okay. So passive or active is, you know, first of all is, is education, right? It definitely have a lot of education, but at the end of the day, you know, you can have all the knowledge that you want. You have to be able to take action. And, and where I see a lot of people get caught up on is, is the lack of action. They're, they're afraid that they're going to make the wrong move. Uh, they're afraid that they're going to lose money all those can happen yes you can lose money yes it might not be the right decision but if you don't take any any action if you don't if you don't make any decision then you're going to be in the same boat right you're going to be wishing that you would have made that move you know come 5 10 years because you would have learned that much more right so i think you know learn uh, as much as you can you know, be around people that are already doing this, and, and don't be afraid to ask for help, right? I still ask for help. You know, you can't have that ego, right? And and I think there's a lot of people that have that ego. You know, put the ego to the side, man. You know, that's not it's not worth it. Ask questions. You know, having a hand, you know, pointing up and asking asking for help. You know, maybe somebody can bring you up. But at the same time, have a hand, you know, going down and bring somebody else up. Somebody asks for you for help, then be willing to help out. So you know, look at this as a long term type of business. You know, because you know, um, in in this business, it really is a long term. Uh, relationship type of business, you know,
0: do the right things always. So any of your personal habits that contributes to your success?
1: I like to read. That's one thing for sure. You know, I'm always reading. Um, I finish one book and then then I go to the next. Um, and so I just like to, you know, always you know, keep my mind. You know, just keep learning. Right, that's that's really what it is. Keep learning. Try to improve myself as a person, as a, as a father, as a husband, and and also in business. Right, try to do the right things. So I love love to read, um, and I love to to work out. I think you know you can do all you want. And you're going to want to do all you want and have all the success you want. But if, if you don't have the, the body, your body's not there, you're not healthy, then what does it matter, right? It, it matters nothing. So you have to, you know, keep health on top as well. And so just try to stay active, you know, spend time with family and, and, and read. And those are some of the things that I do. Just keep it simple, you know.
0: So any one book that impacted your life in what way?
1: Oh, man, there's, there's a lot of books that impacted my life. You know, there's, man, I don't even, the slight edge is, is one that that just comes to mind. Slight edge is pretty much, um, without giving everybody like too much detail in the book, it's doing something every single day that can improve you. And, and over time, it snowballs into big things, right? You know, you want to lose, you know, 20 pounds, it's not going to happen by tomorrow. So, you know, go out there, you know, go for a jog and then you're going for a run, then you're going to start losing, you know, pounds and, and you know, inches off your waist and you'll get there, right? And then, and then before you know it, it's, it's a habit and you're, you're doing it all the time. and Now you're maintaining. So a slight edge is, is a really, really good book that I recommend on the personal side, on the business side. Um, there's a lot of books, E-Myth Revisited, but one of the business side. I've always liked the classic cash flow quadrant. Um, you know, I like a lot of the autobiographies. Um, Elon Musk. There's another one, Shoe Dog, from field Knight. Uh, Walmart. That's um, made in America. That's uh, Sam Walton. Uh, so there's a lot of good books that, that I like to to read and, and, uh, and just like to like to understand. You know, what was going through their mind and and what they did. Everything. The everything store from um, with uh, Jeff Bezos is another really good one. Sorry, I'll give you a, a few of them because. I have a lot of good books that I really like, you know?
0: Yes. Awesome. So how are you giving back to community?
1: Yeah, that is through, I'm always willing to help, you know, people out, you know, if they're asked for help, you know, that's, you know, I take a lot of time, you know, at my day and, you know, jumping on calls, you know, doing those type of things. You know, I like to stay actively, you know, through, through church. Although right now we haven't been able to go through because of obvious reasons, uh, but volunteering through church, you know, donating whenever we we can uh, through, uh, for good causes, you know, we're, we're strong believers in that, you know, and so, yeah, th- those are the type of ways that we like to, to get back and and help out, you know.
0: Awesome. So, how can we connect with you? Sure. If anybody
1: wants to connect with me, they can go through it through uh, social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, and, and Twitter. And so, and then the other way is if people want to reach out to me directly, they can send me an email as Juan at GenwealthCapital.com, and I'll be happy to uh, to connect there and and uh, and talk shop and you know go from there.
0: Thank you, Juan. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for adding value to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Rama. I really do appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. And I look forward to, uh, to talking in person. Thank you.
0: If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode thank you any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only as always please consult with your own cpa legal and financial advisor before investing